Hey, I want to talk to you about pet peeves this morning. And I realized something about myself. The older I get, the more pet peeves I get. Anybody relate to that? The more things annoy me and bug me that you, than used to. Uh, I was in the gym the other day, and there was uh, someone working out on one of those um, cable machines. And every time they let the, the weight up, it crack. They're banging the weights up against each other. Every single rep. And I did one of these. I'm like, like, what are you doing, man? It's pet peeve, man. It's bugging me. Don't even get me started about the roundabout. I mean, that's just like my biggest pet peeve of all time. We all have pet peeves, but you know what? I have a pet peeve when it comes to the church. The church. I have a pet peeve about it because we, here's what I hate about it. When we use terms and we throw around terms that we don't understand, uh, biblical terms that people don't really connect with or understand the meaning of them, and we use them all the time without defining them and explaining exactly what they mean. So today we're going to start a three-part series called The Gospel Truth, and we're going to start by defining this term gospel. What does it mean when we say the word gospel exactly? What are we talking about? What does it mean? And what are the implications to our life? And how do we live out the gospel in our daily lives? This is a word that's used 95 times in your New Testament. And it's the word um, eglion, which means good news. Now, how many of you knew the word gospel meant good news? A lot of us, that's good. It means good news. Good news like, hey, we're having a baby. Depending on how old you are, that's good news. Um, uh, or like, hey, I got a raise. I got a new job. There's extra fries in the bottom of the bag. That's good news. That's good news. Well, the word evangelism, we get the word from Eglion, and it means to share or tell others the good news, that there's good news to share. So I want us to ask the question this morning, what do we mean? What does it mean? And what are the implications for life when we say gospel? What is the gospel? And so uh, we're going to have this on the screen. We've been having technical difficulty today. They're up there going, no, you have no screens. And so I hope you got a program. If you didn't, there's some on the back table back here. And we're going to just walk through the outline here. I want to define for you a definition of the gospel and what it means. Listen to this. The gospel is the good news that in Christ, God did for us what we could not do for ourselves in that he rescued us, he is renewing us, and he will restore all things. Doesn't that sound like good news? That is the good news that we get to proclaim uh, to ourselves today. And it is centered all around Jesus, isn't it? And, and what Christ has done. In fact, listen to this passage that sums it up well. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 15. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. He said, this is first importance. There's nothing more important than understanding who Jesus Christ was and is and what he has done for you. And he says, listen, if you're going to understand who Jesus is, you've got to understand that he is the only one uniquely qualified to do for us what we could not do for ourselves in that he was the God in the flesh. God in the flesh. 
Now, most of you have memorized John 3.16 or you've heard it before. If you were to look it up in your Bible, it it would say, for God so loved the world that he gave. And then what does your next word say? Only begotten. When I was memorizing that as a kid, I thought it was forgotten. Anybody else? Only forgotten son. Like, what does that mean? Some translations say one and only son. The word in the original language is monogenous, which means, uh, let's break that into two words. Mono, not the sickness. Mono meaning only. Only. And genus, not the pants you wear. Genus meaning like genes, like the chromosomes you pass on to your kids. And when you put those two words together, it, it means like, so genus means like race or kind. He is the only one of his race. Jesus is the only one of his kind. That he is the one unique being and creature. There is none other like him. For God so loved the world, he sent the unique one, the only one, the special one, the anointed one, the lion that is going to rule one day, the lamb that we sang about, who will take away the sin of the world, the one who is the creator, the one who is the finisher of our faith, the one who is the savior of the world, the hope of mankind, the son of the living God, the prince of peace, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus stands alone and unique as no one else in history can be. He is the unique son of the living God. Can I ask you something? Do you see Jesus that way? Is that your picture and view of him? That he is the one and the only one that is the hope of mankind. That he is the one and the only one that is my hope today and forevermore. We ought to see him in this light. Not only knowing who he is, but also what Jesus has done for you. Let's go back to the passage. He said, it's of first importance that you realize that Jesus died for our sins and he was raised on the third day. See, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the absolute foundation of our faith. It's the foundation of what we believe. And I I hope you noticed why it's so incredibly important. Because he said he died for what? For our sins. He died for our sins. For you and for me and for everyone who has ever walked this planet we have done so with, with, with tarnished lives. We have done so with a sin and, and an inability to reach the perfection of a holy God, that God's standard is absolute perfection, and that God in his holiness means moral completeness, that he has never even thought about doing something wrong, that he stands alone as morally uncorrupted. And that every single one of us except Jesus Christ have walked this world far below that standard, that there's a huge gap between the perfection and standard and holiness of God and the lives that you and I lead. Would you agree with that? And yet Jesus Christ came as the one who was perfect and he died on a cross bearing all these things that separate us from a holy God, all these, the rebellion of our heart, all the the things that we've said and done and thought that are displeasing to a holy God and all these things that would separate us from a God that Jesus Christ came and he bore the weight of all of this from your life and in my life and he bore them gladly and as a perfect sacrifice removed them all from the sight of God the Father. He paid for them in full by his sacrificial death. I don't know about you, but that sounds like good news. That sounds like really 
good news, that his sacrifice has counted for you and for me. It can count for every single person who places their faith in Christ. The gospel is good news that in Christ, God did for us that we could not do for ourselves and that he rescued us from our sin. Now listen, since God has rescued us, we have to respond to that. Our response is to receive his sacrifice, to receive his life, to receive his payment that he did on our behalf by faith. By faith. The book of Romans, the whole book is really a 16-chapter dialogue about the gospel. It's all, it's all about the gospel. And so we're going to look at a few passages from it, a few key ones. In, in Romans 3, 21 and 22, it says this. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Listen, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This holiness that we're trying to attain to, this holiness that we need in order to have relationship with God isn't something that we obtain on our own. It's not something that we do to get there. It's not some hoops that we have to jump through. This righteousness and holiness that we long for is something that is given to us by faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift. And we can have access to the Father through this gift. See, God's rescuing work has been finished. What Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection is complete and is in the past. And everything that has needed to be done in order for you and I to come into relationship with our heavenly Father who loves us on God's part has been finished. He has rescued us from the penalty of sin by dying and rising from the dead. And his part is over. But you and I have a part. God has done everything on his part, but our part is to receive that sacrifice on our behalf. Our part is to believe in the one who was sent. Our part was to have faith in Christ, that what he really did on a cross really mattered for me, and that all my sins were paid for in that place, and that when he rose from the dead, that means all those sins were demolished and removed by faith in his son. So let me ask you, have you received Jesus Christ's sacrifice for your forgiveness? Have you received that? He said, God, I am morally bankrupt and I can't earn it, so I need you to give this to me and I ask for Christ to forgive me. Have you received God as your heavenly Father who loves you like no one has ever loved you and said, God, I want to take you as my leader and my father? And have you received by faith a family of brothers and sisters who say, we will journey in this together and we will grow in this together and we will live and function as a family together? Have you done that? Can I tell you, that is what is being offered when Christ died on your behalf. He offers you total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. He offers you a father who loves you and he offers a family who will be with you. Now, it's your choice and it's my choice to either receive that gift or reject that gift. It is our choice either to embrace Jesus as who he is and what he's done for us or to not, not receive that and carry on in, in damnation. Can I tell you? God's will for your life is for you to say yes to the offer. He's, he's brought you a beautiful gift. And he says, I want you to take it and I want you to be rescued and I want you to know what it's like to have me as your father. Terms like redemption, justification, 
salvation, being saved, being born again, all these things are describing this one thing of God rescuing you and I from the penalty of sin and giving us life eternal in his son, Jesus Christ. Have you received it? If you haven't, at the end of this service today, I'm going to ask you to receive him as your savior and the leader of your life. Now, there's a misconception that Everything I've just described to you is the entirety of the gospel, that, that it ends right there, that, that God has rescued me from my sin and that someday he'll take me to heaven. And so I'm just kind of waiting and hoping and wishing and kind of doing my own thing and that someday he'll take me there and everything will be good again. But that's not the entirety of the gospel. See, the gospel has implications to your life and my life today. The gospel doesn't end with, I'm saved and now I'm waiting for heaven. The gospel means he has a, magic, a powerful force in your life today. So there's more to the gospel story. And uh, Paul goes on to say in Romans 6, he says this. Not only are we rescued from our sin, it goes beyond that. He says, since we have been unified with him in his death... We also will be raised to life as he was. We're looking forward to that. We know that in the meantime, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Does that sound like good news, church? That we are today set free from the power of sin in our lives. Why? Because the gospel has implications for us today. It's relevant that God has good news right now. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever the temptations are, whatever the habit may be, whatever the hang-up you've got, God has good news for you today. He said, I'm greater than all of that right now. You don't have to wait for heaven for victory. You can have victory now. See, God wants to renew you and I today. That's, that's the good news of the gospel. He said he came to rescue us, and right now, present tense, he is renewing us. He wants to change us. He wants sin to lose its grip in your life. And you look back and go, man, I used to struggle with that, but that's not a struggle anymore. Man, that used to be a temptation for me. It's not so much anymore. That sin is losing its grip in your life, and you're going from being a slave to sin. Listen, where every temptation, you would fall to it because you couldn't help it, because you didn't have the power of God in your life, but now sin is losing its grip and you're choosing holiness, not perfectly, but in greater and greater measure, you're choosing holiness for your life. Why? Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus is changing you from the inside out. That's what God wants to do in your life. That you and I, each one of us can say yes to the good, pleasing, perfect will for God in our lives. That you and I would experience more and more the abundant life that Jesus promised. That you and I more and more, more would identify ourselves as the children of the living God, not by any other measure, not by any other standard, not by any other accomplishment, but we are children of the living God. And you think about, well, how does that work? How do I get there? you got to understand, as he's renewing you, when you say yes to Christ, he gives you a new nature. This old nature, this flesh of ours, it loves to sin, doesn't it? It loves to do its own thing, doesn't it? It loves to go its own way, doesn't it? We love to be sheep that stray, don't we? But we get a new nature when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life. And it loves to please God. It loves to do the right thing. It loves to walk in holiness. And so this new nature is transforming us from the inside out. 
and he gives us a rule book. He gives us instruction. He gives us a guidebook, and he's teaching us how do we walk through this life being renewed by God each day. And he gives us the greatest set of cheerleaders you'll ever know called the church. We get a family, and we get to pick each other up, and we get to, we get to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We get, to, we get to live in community with each other in such a way that we help each other be renewed every day. We get spiritual armor. When the enemy comes at us, he says, let me protect you. Now, he has equipped us to be renewed in our daily lives. And because God is renewing us, we should respond to that, shouldn't we? Because God is, his intention in your life and in my life is to renew us and to change us and to make us more like himself, then our response is to grow in obedience. Is to grow in obedience. To cooperate with the living God and say, God, I'm not where I need to be, but by your grace and by your power and by your spirit and your word and your people, I'm going to count the cost and I want to grow. I want to be more like you today because you're not done with me. In fact, you're not waiting for me to get to heaven. You want to go to work on me today and change me and make me more like yourself. I don't believe God cares so much about how much we know about this book, I think it's important, but I think he cares most about how much we live this book. How much we hide his word in our hearts such that we live its commands. You ever thought about how much time and effort we take to take care of our physical bodies? We bathe it, I hope. I live with three teenagers and sometimes we, you need to bathe it. <laughs> we bathe it. We go buy clothes, we pick out clothes, we wear clothes, we clothe it. We spend time in front of the mirrors taking away imperfections and fixing our hair and making sure everything's straight. We go, uh, we try to feed it the right kinds of foods. We try to exercise to keep ourselves in shape. Uh, some of us put makeup on and, and make sure we're hiding anything we want to hide and accentuating anything we want to accentuate. We do surgery. That our body, you realize we're fighting a, a losing battle with the body, right? But we are going to war against it. And we say, this, this decaying body that's only getting older, that's only getting more run down, that's only getting less appealing, let's be honest. I'm going to fight that. I'm going to fight that decay and make sure I present myself the best possible way. Listen, guys, when it comes to our spirit, God's saying the same thing. There's a decay in you that's called your old nature, but I want to renew you, and I want to fight that decay. I want, you to, I want you to become less like the world and more like me. I want you to be less like your old self and more like Jesus Christ. I want to fight the decay that's in your body and in your soul and in your spirit and renew it by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit and make you new. I want to renew you. Can I ask you, are you cooperating with the power of the living God in your life to renew you? I, I can tell you God's will for your life 100% today. He wants to renew you today. He wants to renew you and make you into his image. And what does he require? But God, would you change me? God, would you make me new? God, I want to cooperate with you. Maybe this is your decision this morning. God, I'm going to decide whatever it takes and whatever it costs. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to change. I want to be more like you. And I'm going to, I'm going to let you renew me from this day forward.
It's good news. It's good news for our relationships that he's renewing us, isn't it? It's good news. He wants to renew you. We don't have to wait for heaven, for the power of the living God to be at work in our lives. He wants to renew us. So the gospel is the good news that in Christ Jesus, God did for us what we could not do for ourselves and that he rescued us from the penalty of sin. He's renewing us and giving us victory over the power of sin. And then finally, that he will once one day restore all things. Listen to this from Romans 8. It's lengthy, but I want you to hear it. Paul says, yet what, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal in us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when we will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't have to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. What is it saying? He's saying creation is not as God intended. It was beautiful. It was paradise. It was perfection. It got corrupted. And so it's not the way God intended. But one day, even though it's groaning today and there's tragedy and catastrophe and things that are in this world that are not as God intended, one day he will restore all things and this world will be perfect once again. Is that good news? He's also saying, listen, you're not as I created you to be. You're living in corruption. And one day I will fix all things, God says, and I will restore you and you will be made in perfection again and you'll have a new body and it won't be like this body. It won't lead you away from God. It'll be perfect. It'll lead you to God and you will be made perfect one day. A perfect body with a perfect soul and a perfect spirit in a perfect place before a perfect God. Then all things will be as I intended them to be. I will make that perfect day. No more death, no more disease, no more decay. You guys ever marvel at people that take an old beaten down car and they restore it? They get all the rust off of it, and they, they swap out parts that are broken, and, they, and they, they give it TLC, and they clean, and they wipe, and they repair, and they get it back to like pristine, a mint, off-the-factory-line condition. I don't know about you, but that amazes me when people can do that, and they restore something that is broken down, and they make it beautiful again. Guys, guess what? There is God in heaven who's going to restore all things. Everything broken in your life, everything displeasing in your life, everything that's out of place in a perfect world will be gone, and he will restore all things and make them beautiful once again. I want you to realize something. When Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, they were facing persecution. 
That means they were being uh, singled out by their faith. People were harming them because they said, I follow Jesus Christ. And so he, he gives them this, this reminder, not in the midst of, of hunky-dory, everything's fine kind of circumstances. No, he says, I know it's not as the world is supposed to be, but hang on. In fact, I want you to hang on with hope. I want you to hang on with joy and with peace and contentment because even though it's not the way God intended it to be, one day it will be. One day it will be. And since God will restore everything, our response, listen to this, is to endure with hope. It's to endure with hope. That's, it. That's the message of that passage right there. You can endure. We endure things all the time in bitterness. We endure all, things all the time with impatience and anger and, and doubt and fear. We endure all kinds of tragedy in that way. But God says, you don't have to endure this life in any of those measures. You can endure this life with hope. That whatever you're facing today is, is uh, temporary. Everything you're facing today will one day be over. And I will restore everything back to its perfection. The gospel is good news. That God will restore all things. He will right every wrong. I want you to listen to this. I love this problem, promise from Revelation 21. It's the last chapter in your Bible. He says, I will wipe every tear from your eye. Every hurt you've ever had, every disappointment, every loss, every tragedy. He says, I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to take my beautiful finger. And I'm going to wipe it across your cheek. And when you're crying over the hurt that you've had, I'll wipe that tear from your eye and it'll finally make sense. And your heart will finally be restored and you won't have to grieve anymore. That'll be the last tear you ever shed. And I will finally restore all things. And you'll be able to say, it is well with my soul. God, I see it now. You've made sense of my hurt and my tragedy and my pain. If you're facing trials or hardship today, be confident in it, that God has an end to it, and that he will restore all things in your life. That is the gospel, that God has rescued you, he's renewing you, and he's going to restore all things. In fact, I want you to listen to this. I want you to put this in, your, in, in our personal terms. The gospel is the good news that in Christ, God did for me what I could not do for myself. And that he rescued me. He's renewing me. And he will restore all things. Let me ask you this morning. How will you respond to the gospel? How you will respond to it? That good news cannot be... Not, uh, ignore that good news must be responded to and so if you need rescuing if you've never uh, find uh, the forgiveness of God in a completeness sense that you no longer worry about your sin you no longer wonder if you're going to heaven but you have complete confidence in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ today he wants to rescue you from your sin and you can place your faith in Jesus Christ and be forgiven forevermore he wants to rescue you today you need to respond by faith If he's not renewing you, if it's, if it's been a while since God has been at work in your life and you've like a sheep wandered away, he wants to renew you. And you might just need to say, God, I'm going to ask for your help. God, will you help me become more like you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn a new page. I'm going to start over again. I'm going to ask for you to just begin to renew me and change me into the image of the son of the living God. 
That might be your response to the gospel today. You might be enduring things and think, God, I don't, I've lost hope. And you might need to just cry out to God this morning and say, God, would you renew my hope that you are alive, that you will change this, you will restore all things, that there's a future hope for me beyond this world, and I can hang on with hope and patiently endure because you love me and want the best for me. You might be need to call on God and have him renew your hope today. Maybe this good news is burning in your bones. And you're like, I got to share this. And your response to the gospel might be, I'm going to preach it to myself, and then I'm going to share it with the world. I can't wait to get out of this building and tell somebody the good news of Jesus Christ this week. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise today for the good news that while we were lost in our transgressions and sin, we were dead and apart from you. We had no life. Jesus Christ made a way. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. But everyone who calls on my name will be saved. That's a beautiful promise. You came for a rescue mission for me and for each person in this room. If you need rescuing today and to know and experience the forgiveness that God, your loving Father, has for you and say, God, I want to receive by faith Jesus Christ into my life, would you raise your hand? I want to pray and say, I receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe he was the son of the living God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. Raise your hand right now. I want to pray with you that's a desire of your heart, you say, God, I will never measure up to your standard of perfection. I never will. And so I need Jesus Christ to intervene for me. I need Jesus to make a way for me today. And the, all that I have and all that I know, I'm placing my faith in Jesus wholly and completely. I believe there's no other way, but Jesus died to give me life. And I'm putting my faith in him that he died for my sins and he rose from the dead to give me life. And just tell God, thank you for rescuing me today. Maybe it's the God, thank you for rescuing me. I just want to thank you again for rescuing me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see God. And I want to just go back and thank you again for rescuing me. Maybe you've been waiting for heaven or maybe you haven't been trying very hard to cooperate with the renewing work of God in your life. And today you need to say, God, you know what? No more excuses. No more tomorrows today. I want you to renew me. I want you to change me. I want you to have your way in my life. I'm going to cooperate with you. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to let your spirit lead me and change me and renew me. If that's your prayer, just slip your hand up. God, I want you to renew me today change my heart from this day forward. I want to cooperate with your work in my life. Praise God. And if you're in the middle of turmoil and trials and hardship 
and somewhere along the way you've lost the hope that God is victorious and that one day you will stand in victory over all things that are having their way in your life and you need God to renew your hope. Or you just slip your hand up and say, God, renew my hope in you today. God, give me hope to endure. God, give me strength. I'm not defeated. I'm victorious in you and renew my spirit today and make me new in you. God, I'm alive in you and you are the victor and I, today I stand in your victory recharged and renewed, knowing you restore me in all things one day. God, we give you thanks and praise for the gospel, the good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.